discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. The sword of the spirit. <laughs> and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God can you God has given us so many things huh. so, you know sometimes when I think of all these things and I'm walking I become so disappointed if a thought is trying to oppress me if the thought is trying to prevail, I say, what do you mean? I don't only believe it, but I preach it. You can't, you can't prevail against me. <laughs> and I feel like we must hold it. Every day the reality comes to my heart. These things are true. You must live in a realm of it. Can you see, can you, if you see yourself in all of this, how sweet life will be. You'll you just be the rest of God. In fact, that is how Christianity is meant to be. And the way is through the word of God. That's every time you come in the body is exposed. You are being perfected from strength to strength. And from glory to glory. Beware of mentioning church services. Because you are losing your peace. You are losing your belt. You face the world and your pieces of armor are flapping in the wind. At a Kaswa church, I explain not forsaking. Just get that message. <laughs> those who are down, those who are behind, and those who are out. They were not forsaking the assembling. The word forsaken in the Greek actually means out, down, and behind. The reason, the reason people are down, they are out, and behind is that they don't come to church. Go for that message. You are down in life, and you are even behind. And you are even out. But if you came to church, you would otherwise hear something. If we're not in church, you wouldn't have heard. And it will add onto your life in every way. You come to church, it's not for pastor, it's not to add to the members, it's for you yourself. And your building and your blessing in this life and in the hereafter. May you see this light in Jesus' name. Jesus. The sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we spoke of, of these purposes. Some of them mostly are defensive, though they have some offensive aspect of it. But the sword of the Spirit is purely offensive. Is the most and the greatest of the offensive weapons is offensive. 
Today, many people are using offensive weapons that are not scriptural. No, you go for meetings and you wonder the kind of weapons they are, they are using. I went for a certain meeting and I said, they raised a prayer topic. They said, everyone take your gun. And all the people did like this. Then all of a sudden they began, pay, 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 pay. Even it was surprised some meetings they take machine gun. And they begin to spread their enemies. I'm telling you. Some of them take bazooka, AK-47. And they are shooting. They are spreading the demons. <laughs> you see, as wonderful and as stirring as it is, it's not scriptural. As emotional as it is, it's not scriptural. There is no machine gun among the weapons. It will surprise you what is happening. There's a certain man in a cry. When they go to him, he has a coal pot on fire. You bring a prayer request, write it on, on, a, on a sheet of paper. They will burn it. Your enemies are burned. <laughs> now, there's a certain place in a cry. They take oil and they grind hot pepper. And they put it in the oil. And you buy the oil to handle your enemies. Now this is something. Come again. <laughs> oh, many things are happening. Many things are happening. This, the examples I'm giving is just shallow. People are doing things. People are doing things. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine went to preach in Nigeria and when he went to preach he preached the first day preached the second day the pastor who invited him was dissatisfied he said man of God sit down enough with your teaching if you want to teach go to Adiboye <laughs> go to Pastor Chris he said we want action we want action we want action so he called me from Nigeria. I said, he doesn't know what to do. He's preached the word and he said, he, he can't conjure anything. It's the spirit. Said, we need action. You are too dull for our liking. You know what the preacher did? The preacher didn't buy the tight cut. He said, is there any help you need? Brought him tight cuts. Look at the names. You can memorize some of the names and prophesy to the people in the church. Well, there are churches who do that. So this person is very rich. To bring you the cats, you can memorize their names and they will tell you where you sit. As yeah, after that, they will say, Okay, then 40 60. Yeah, you, you just get the money from them. When you finish, you take 40, I'll take 60. Oh, a lot of ministries, churches do that, and that's what they did to him. So he got frustrated because he's not of that kind, he's not of, his mind is for the scriptures. Now, how will you feel if you went with the Spirit of God and they give you tight cards to memorize the names, to prophesy to the rich people? Then, then it's not the work of God. Then you are doing it for your stomach and for yourself. So he left. He left the church. He said he won't go there again. But the next speaker was his friend. They live in the scenery. I know him very The next speaker. When he got there, 
When he got to Nigeria, he bought two car classes. <laughs> to be frank, to be frank, that guy is a backslidden Christian. I know him. He is. He, that, that guy. I was wondering why he's still a preacher because I know the things he's been doing. He's a backslidden, and the guy just took two car classes. When he entered the tutorial, he just looked left and right. And see and swallow it on the floor. The members came to carry him. And he was preaching and declaring. <laughs> Today your enemies will die. There was a move in a meeting. <laughs> action. This is the action we need. <laughs> And they invited him. So, so they kept inviting him and they, they dropped that, my friend. My beloved, what is the real weapon God has given us? The Bible calls it the offensive weapon is called the sword of the spirit. And let me describe the kind of sword Apostle Paul was describing. There were five kinds of swords used by the Roman soldier, though there were three main ones. Five kinds of swords used by the Roman soldiers. The first one was called a gladius. Thank you, Jesus. A gladius. Now, the gladius sword was a long sword, but it was a very heavy sword. It was heavy. It was called a two-handed sword. You can't carry it with one hand. You needed two hands to carry it. And it was one-bladed. There are some sort of double bladed, but this one was one bladed. Aha. Uh-huh. And it was heavy. So what happened was that the Romans once upon a time used this kind of weapon to fight against the Carthaginians. Carthage, Tunisia, modern Tunisia. They fought against them and they failed miserably because the soldiers, <laughs> it, it was a heavy weapon. Before they raised it, it was not easy. So before you just hold, oh, then you are down. So the Romans learned a lesson and said, we're not going to do the gladius again. We are going to use it for military training. So the military used it to train how to fight, to strengthen their muscles. So that's the first weapon. Hallelujah. The second one is called the shorter and the narrower. It's a shorter and a narrower weapon. Um, so the shorter and the narrower sword. The shorter and the narrower sword. It's, it's, it's like a description. But it was a very short sword, 17 inches. Very short sword. They use it. It was very easy to carry and easy, easy to swing. The shorter and narrow, the narrower sword. And there's another one called the, the dagger, the dagger-like sword. It was like a dagger. It was shorter than the second sword. It was very short. And some of the military guys, who, when they are moving around town, they, they, can, they put it in, in the scabbard sheet and insert it in their jacket. Uh-huh. So they can just take it out and throw it to hit your heart. This one, they normally get your heart when they're using it. Straight, pa, it hits your heart. Hallelujah. Then there's a long and a slender. The fourth one is a long and a slender. This one, 
was used by the, the, Cal, the Calvary. It wasn't used by the infantry. The Calvary is the, the soldiers of, who fight on horsebacks, on, on horses. They are on horses and they fight on horses. It, it wasn't so sharp. So it was even employed for sports. Hallelujah. But the final sword, which is the greatest of all the swords, is called Mashaira. Mashaira. M A C H A I R A. Mashaira. Mashaira was called the weapon of murder. It was too deadly that this weapon, too deadly and too dangerous that if your enemies are coming against you and you see you have the Mashaira, which was not common, if they're not well prepared, they will turn back. It also looked like a dagger, but this one is, is razor sharp and it is double bladed. Razor sharp is double bladed, it's strong. And the tip of the mashara is like this, it's turned this way. It's like this. The top is like this, and it is twisted like a cock crew. It is twisted like a cock crew, like this. You know how it is used? Most of the times they gauge the abdomen. So when a soldier is fighting with you and he thrusts it through your abdomen, he will turn it and it will give a wrenching effect. So he thrusts it this way and turns it with a wrenching effect and all your entrails comes out. Your intestines, everything comes out. That's how powerful it was. <laughs> razor, razor sharp. That's a mashara. So when Paul said, and the sword of the spirit, it literally in Greek, and the mashara of the spirit, which is the word of God. <laughs> so you see, we have a higher weapon than what people are doing. Yeah. This is the strongest and the mashara of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Now the word of God here, so is the word of God. Literally, the word here is rima, the rima of God. The Greek word for the word of God here is rima. Rima. And you should know by this time that the word of God, there is two. There is a logos and there is a rhema. Yeah. For instance, in a, if, um, Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the, for, um, for the word of God is quick and powerful. Uh-huh. For the logos of God, that's the logos. Now, there is a rhema and there is a logos. Say the rhema and the logos. Say the logos and the rhema. Now, the logos is a written word of God. The rhema is a spoken word of God. That is it. The Logos is the constant word of God. The Rema is the instant word of God. When a verse from the a constant word becomes instant to your application, it becomes Rema. Now, if we're here the first day, I described the, the skin, the, the, the loin belts. Now, the sword, you know where the soldiers hang the sword? They hang it on the belt. Because the belt had a clip and the scabbard, the sheet you put the sword in was hanged on the loin belt. Yeah. And we explained that the loin belt is, a, is, a, is the written word of God. Yeah. But hanging on the loin belt is the sword. So where do you get a rima? You get a rima from the logos. Hallelujah. Because the rima always hangs on the logos. You, you, you understand? Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Say so I have the rima. From the Logos. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Now, how do you get a rhema? The sword is used for a, for a closer range. When it is, Bashara is always used at a closer range for fighting. And the Bible said that this sword is a rhema. When it is spoken, the rhema. Sometimes you are in a problem and uh, let me teach you how to use the sword. You are in a problem and maybe you were in a hospital and the news came that you are going to die in two weeks. What will you do? You are going to die in two weeks. <laughs> Last month, I was there in a meeting and a lady came to see me after the meeting. and said, man of God, I've come to see you because I'm going to commit suicide this night. <laughs> and I feel you mean a lot to me, so I wanted to say bye-bye. <laughs> Before I go, <laughs> can you imagine? You cannot laugh as a man of God. <laughs> but I nearly did, but I was laughing in my heart. So what? What do you mean? Can you imagine? The manner in which she was talking, I realized that this lady is not serious. How can you speak of death like that? Oh, I'm going to die this night, so I just came to say hi. <laughs> I realized that he just needed some attention. It's not death she wanted. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you are told you are going to die. What do you say? Anyone there? You are praying. And all of a sudden, out of the reservoir of scriptures within you, the rhema is the quickened word of God. You see, there are so many scriptures, but as you are praying, you are praying, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost makes alive and quickens a scripture within you. It comes alive, and you begin to speak it out. I shall not die, but I shall live to declare the works of God. You begin to declare the scriptures. That is what is called rhema. And the Bible is saying that when you declare the scripture like that on a situation, what comes out is like the Mashairah. It goes to the situation and shakes the situation into pieces and breaks it apart, tears it asunder, and nullifies every effect. That's a rima. The spoken word. The spoken word. Oh, Shakatala. I remember 2011 I had an accident. The reason I had the accident is that I went to preach in a place God didn't want me to go. So I missed the will of God on the way I had the consequences. That's what you have to be. I left the perfect will of God to the permissive will of God. There's a preacher, the place I have to go and preach. I just knew I shouldn't go. But the people kept calling me, man of God, we have been fasting and praying. If you don't come, what will we do? But I knew within me that I shouldn't. So the first day I didn't go. So they are calling me, appealing to me, but inside, I felt there was no reason I wasn't tired. I just sensed, don't go. So the first day I didn't go without any reason. I was even amazed, amazed at myself. And they had held a camp meeting, and I was the main, I was the speaker. So the second day, I just, I just knew I shouldn't go. But I just went because of the, what they were saying, man of God. This is what I've been believing God for for the year. And as we have been fasting and praying, and this and this and this, those things can move you easily. So I went. 
and as a set of power, accident and this bone got to- broken into two. All right, my hand turned this way, and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, what's happened to me? And I go to the hospital. Put POP on me. Then it was time. After a while, I also sense that it's, I'm, 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 I'm healed. After a while, because they gave me six weeks, and after I finished six, my six weeks, it should be fine. When I went, they said one month more. I said, No, it cannot happen. Why? Why? <laughs> now, the fifth week, now the fifth week, I read six books on healing in one week. <laughs> Someone who is wild, healing in one week. And I took the Bible and opened it. You know what I did? I opened the Bible, literally on the ground, and I stepped on his father. I stand on your word. <laughs> I was wild, and the scriptures about divine healing. You see, I was not just doing it; all. I had invested myself to study it. And as I prayed, the Spirit, all of a sudden, those the Holy Ghost activated and quickened those verses, and I began to speak it out. I spoke it, and I knew it was done. And I went back to the hospital the next day. Doesn't make sense. When I went, I said, "Oh, why? It's time. Why are you still wearing it? You have to remove it. It's time. It's okay." So I went free. They removed it. I was gone. So I have saved one month of extra. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes when you are in a, in, 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 in a car, there's a, there's a certain woman in, in UK some years ago, um, in England, there was war many years ago with history. And she read the scripture, Psalm 91, about God covering us with his feathers. Hallelujah. You know, Psalm 91 is about protection. God covering us with his feathers and under his wings we trust under. And he knew it. So there was this war. They were bombing a certain area in the UK, a certain community. Everybody one day died. But whilst they were bombing and the bombs were coming, she couldn't remember the scripture. So she kept saying, feathers, feathers. Because God said he'll keep us under his feathers. He forget the rest. We've got the rest. All that he was saying, feathers, 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 feathers. I'm telling you, the body threw the bomb everywhere and she didn't die. Everyone died. She was the lone person who survived. That's very much. It could be one word feathers, feathers, and that is a sword. Feathers, 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 feathers. Feathers, that's a sword. That will keep you. Someone was going to have an accident. They can't let the valley, let the road. And he screamed a word from the scriptures. Left the road. There were missionaries and the, the, the driver was a little drunk. Left the road, entering the valley. When she mentioned that word, I focused on the word. The, the, the car, you know what happened to the car? The car was stopped in the middle of the air, like this. And came, came down slowly and landed down. And then the driver gave his life to Christ. <laughs> it landed as though it was on a foam. The driver, at the end of the day, went and just, so I'm, I'm going to, <laughs> it's amazing. You have no idea. It's on your lips. It's from the word. You see, any situation that confronts your life, don't be quick to speak. Take time, get to the scriptures, 
Find a verses that address that situation. Take, that's what Ken Hagen was doing. He says something, he takes a day or two or three. He doesn't quickly address it and read about it until his spirit is inflamed with that verse. Then as he's praying the spirit, the Holy Ghost activates it. Bah, he speaks it. Bah, and the sword. No matter the situation. The sword can cut every sickness, every disease, every problem is a sword of the spirit. The Messiah can shred into pieces anything at all. Oh, glory. Glory. Hallelujah. We have a weapon. We have a weapon. Weapon. Beloved, it works. Tell your neighbor it works. It works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember Jesus. When the devil tempted him in the wilderness. What did Jesus do? In the wilderness of temptation, what did Jesus do when he was tempted? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus, the rima from his lips was out of the logos. It's even temptation. That's how Jesus used it. Hallelujah. Sometimes your own soul, you feel that frustration is coming to your soul. Anxiety. I like David. I told you the other day that stop listening to yourself and start speaking to yourself. David said, Why are thou disquieted within me, O my soul? He's speaking to, Why are thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God, who is the help and the health of your countenance. He was speaking. He's applying a rhema to himself. He's cutting anxiety to pieces, cutting frustration to pieces. Why, why, my soul, stir up yourself. Speak to yourself, and after that, go and get some, some Don Simon and juice center. <laughs> and seal the victory and enjoy. Enjoy yourself. It is done. <laughs> So don't take Don Simon because I said Don Simon. I'm not saying when you close going to Don Simon. But any drink of your choice you can enjoy. <laughs> like cranberry. <laughs> All right. Let's see Revelation 2, verse 12. Revelation 2, verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, these things says he which has the sharp sword with two edges. Revelation 1 verse 16. John saw Jesus in heaven, and this is what he saw, he said of Jesus. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as a sign in his strength. Now John saw Jesus. And he said, Jesus, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. He saw Jesus having a sword. But the sword was not in his hands. The sword was in his mouth. Your sword eh, is in your mouth, not in your hands. And out of his mouth, say mouth. Went a sharp two-edged sword. Say two-edged sword. Two 
Now the word to eject is the Greek word diastomos. Never forget it. Diastomos. D-I-S-T-O-M-O-S. D-I-S-T-O-M-O-S. Diastomos. Now the word diastomos is compounded of two words. Di and stomos. Of course, di means double. And stomos is a Greek word for mouth. Is a Greek word for mouth. So that's the word for two edged. Two edged. It's diastomos. Literally, two mouth. Two mouth sword. Two mouth. <laughs> two mouth sword. <laughs> you understand? Two mouth sword. The double edged sword literally is two mouth sword. Two mouth sword. Understand this? The weapons we are using is two mouth. Now, and what is this two mouth? It's the Logos and the Rima. Now, when God, this Bible that we have, in Isaiah 34 verse 16, it was, God, it was spoken by the mouth of God to the prophet. Everything was spoken. So the Logos is one mouth. It's spoken of God. Praise God. But you see, if you have a sword, it could be only one bladed. And you are cutting. But the sword ought to be two bladed, two edged. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The written word of God is one edged. It's one mouth. God spoke it. But if you take what God spoke and you also speak, then it becomes double mouth. Then it becomes double edged sword. So you take the scripture and you speak the scripture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Bible said he has said so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. What he says we speak. What he says we speak. What he says we speak. God has spoken once, twice about him. What he says we speak. You speak the word. Hallelujah. What God has spoken, speak. Speak the word to your situation. Speak the word to that situation you find yourself in. Apply the sword and you have your liberty. Hallelujah. That is it. It's nice to us. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. That's why we wake up in the morning. Meditation is not just thinking and pondering. It's speaking the word. Speak the word. Glory. Glory. And every situation will be dealt with. Find scriptures pertaining to what you are looking for. Whether it is God's promise or whatever is confronting you. And I pray with it. And release it one by one. One by one. Be it a situation in your office. Oh. Anything confronting your marriage. Oh. We have the offensive weapon. Hallelujah. Use it and you'll see the victory. To the glory of God. Make way for yourself. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go to the last of the weapons. <laughs> now, verse 18. Praying always. A lot of theologians and scholars have said that Paul's armor, piece of armor, was incomplete. Because Paul gave us six. Meanwhile, the Roman soldier had seven. But what Paul gave us was not six, it was seven. <laughs> And the last one Paul spoke about, it was the lance of prayer. Say the lance of prayer. L-A-N-C-E. 
the lungs of prayer. L-A-N-C, lungs. Lungs. Now, what was a lance? Now, the Roman military, they also used a lance. Now, the lance was a weapon for trusting. It was a long, it was a weapon with a wooden sharp. A wooden sharp. And the edge was actually steel. Hallelujah. A wooden sharp, then a pointed steel head. So you took, for instance, when your enemy is at a distance, you cannot reach him. You threw the lance. It hit him. He falls down. He's wounded. Then you go ground closer to the, to, to, to the enemy and apply the sword. <laughs> you understand? Uh-huh. That's how the lance was used. And the lance was connected to the loin belt. They hung it. They hang it. The last speaks of prayer. Prayer. See, prayer is based on the word. That's why in John 15, 7, Jesus said, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask whatsoever ye will, and it shall be done. Because if you know the scriptures and your prayer comes from it, the prayer is authenticated. You know the dynamics of how to use pray and your prayer is heard. And the principles that governs the prayer. But the average soldier doesn't use one lance. In fact, in fact, among the Greek warriors, the Greeks, the average Greek soldier will use five short lances and one long lance. It's all over him. You don't use one. Otherwise, you'll be dead. Some use, the average soldier uses six. Five short ones and one long ones. One long one. That's what Paul said. Praying always with all kinds of prayer. Praying always with all prayer. Amplified version said all kinds of prayer. So it's not one prayer, all kinds of prayer. I'm presented by the different kinds of lungs. Some are shorter, some are longer. That means that all the kinds of prayers are part of our armor. So you have to learn into the kinds of prayer given to us in the New Testament. If all your prayer is one, maybe intercession, you have only one lungs. If all your prayer is two, remember intercession and prayer of faith, you have two. If your prayer is three, you have intercession faith. The prayer of consecration, you have three. But the Bible says all kinds of prayer. Hallelujah. And that is a lung. So you know the enemy is long, at a long range. So you don't use a short one, you use a longer one. And you apply. You use a short you hit one enemy, you hit one enemy, and another one is gonna it is finished. What will you do? So you need to employ and understand all kinds of prayer. Hallelujah. Then he said, praying always. Praying always. You know what it means? The word praying always is a Greek. Praying always. Always. In the Greek is the word en panti kairos. Yet this is one word in English. En, E-N. Panti, P-A-N-T-I. Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, and Panti Kairos. N means at, in or at. Panti means, am I too fast? Panti means each and every. Each and every. And Kairos is a word for time, is a word for opportunity. 
So the word always means at each and every time an opportunity. That's what it means. Praying always. In fact, one version said praying at every time. The Bible tells us that we should pray everywhere and every time. First Timothy 5.8 I will, I will that all men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. And Paul desires that men pray everywhere. And here he said we should pray every time. So pray everywhere and pray every time. At every opportunity. Sometimes you are walking alone. And if you like putting on your earpiece to talk out your rich campus. But you say that no. Put the earpiece in your pocket. And why don't you pray in the spirit for the, the 30 minutes? Learn to arrest opportunities. Redeem the moment. Re- redeem the time. The word redeem the time, time means that buy back the moment which others throw away and improve upon those moments. You know, so you just arrest the moment. When Paul said pray without season, the word without season is the Greek word for hacking cough. Someone who, who coughs. <coughs> That's the word without season. Now, if you have a coughing problem, do you calculate the number of times you cough in a day? You don't wake up and say, oh, today I'm going to cough 17 times. It's a lie. That's a word without season. And you may cough when you are in front of your boss. Say, excuse me, I'm sorry. <coughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That means the spirit will lead you at all times everywhere. Sometimes Maro thrust this denial. Sometimes you know, sometimes you feel like speaking in tongues. Yeah. Don't stop it. Release it. Yeah. Sometimes it comes in phrases and clauses. Kala echo. You don't feel like speaking again. Yeah. <laughs> you speak it in phrases, sentences. You just it's okay. You have no idea what is happening in the spirit realm. One day, we were in a car with him all night, and Pastor Michael was driving, and I felt the inspiration to speak in tongues. He was even laughing, but I, didn't, I wasn't minding him, because it wasn't the ordinary way. It just was inspirational. It was, I was just speaking for about two or three minutes. When I ended, the car was coming to hit us. It hit us a little, and turned to hit a car by our side, and the two cars got damaged. And nothing happened to our car. Just when I finished. So we have no idea what is happening. <laughs> so when you have that inspiration, don't stop. Don't stop. Release it. Release it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I will try and um, I will just summarize. I've not finished my statement though. <laughs> the kinds of prayers that we have. Because if we have to teach them, we need a whole day. To teach the various kinds of prayer. Because these are the lances we use. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a prayer of consecration. 
There's a prayer of faith. There's a prayer of agreement. There's a prayer of consecration. There's a prayer of faith. There's a prayer of agreement. There's corporate prayer. There's a prayer of worship. Corporate prayer. The prayer of worship. The prayer of thanksgiving. The prayer of supplication. The prayer of intercession. How many have I mentioned? The prayer of petition. Intercession, supplication, petition, thanksgiving, agreement, corporate prayer, prayer of worship, prayer of faith. Prayer of faith. What again? So how many have I mentioned? Nine. Wow. So you can see that if we have to teach them, we can even take one a day. But the challenge is this. Prayer is like sports. Sports. See, some people think that you can just pray. The way you pray for you can, all these kinds of prayer, you can just pray them. No, you, you can just use the same rule to apply to all of them. It doesn't work like that. There is one sport, but the rules that govern football is different from the rules that governs basketball. The rules that governs basketball is different from the rules that governs baseball. The rules that governs baseball is different from the rules that governs hockey. So there's one sport, but the rules for each is different. And that's how prayer is. We say prayer, but the scriptures give us guidelines how to pray this kind of prayer. And if we know the guiding lines, the rules laid down for us, we'll have success. Hallelujah. We'll have success. So let's see some of them. Let's just move through and see. I'll just touch on them briefly. Hallelujah. The prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration. Now the prayer of consecration, you can also call it a prayer of dedication. Why do I mention this, this one first? Because of all the words used for prayer, this prayer is mentioned more in the New Testament than any kind of prayer. It's a Greek word, prosek. Sometimes prosekomaya, prosek. P-R-O-S-E-P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H. And this prayer is mentioned 127 times in the New Testament. The next prayer is mentioned 40 times. So you see that this prayer is 
In fact, the very term praying always with all prayer, the word praying is prosec, with all prayer is prosec. <laughs> so it's like, it's a kind of prayer that seems to even embody the progress of the prayers. And it's composed of two words, pros and ek, E-U-C-H. And the word pros, pros actually means face-to-face. In a Greek, pros means face-to-face. Face-to-face. It's a word in John 1, 1, and the word was made flesh. Sorry. And in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God. The word and the word was with God is pros. <laughs> pros. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have looked, seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and will bear witness of that eternal life which was with the Father. First John one one and two. Which was with is the word is prose. The word prose means it's a, it's a, in the Greek prose is a preposition in motion used in the accusative case. It means acting in union and in communion with. Now, prose is a word for proximity and intimacy because face to face you can't stand at Dome and Amin. Proximity. And we say face to face. <laughs> you know, that's a sacra in Takrade. Face to face means it's proximity. Face to face. It's the word for intimacy. It's speaking of how the son, the word was with God. He's speaking of the tendency, the inclination, the proclivity of the father, of the son towards the son, of, of the son towards the father. The, the proclivity, the, the God give me words. Hallelujah. The desire, the tendency, all the desire of the son was towards the father. The son's desire was towards the father in the eternities. Pros. He was seeing his face. He was in the bosom of the father. In proximity, in eternal fellowship. That's the word pros. And he used the word prosec. <laughs> Wow. And the word sec is the word desire. The word ek, sorry, is the word desire. E-U-C-H. Desire. What it means is that prosec is intimacy with the Lord. Seeing his face and loving the Lord so much that that word, ek, it doesn't only mean desire. Desire is even the second meaning. The first meaning is vow. Sorry. The first meaning is a vow. Uh-huh. It's out of your intimacy with the Lord. You give everything to him. Say, Lord, I give you my life. Not as I will, but as thou wilt. And sometimes we have our own will. But this one, you dedicate your life to his will. Say, Lord, not, not what I choose. What you want me to do is what I'll do. I give everything to you. It's a prayer of consecration, a prayer of dedication. My life is thine. My life is yours. How many times do you pray this prayer? Every time. Jesus in Gethsemane went to pray this prayer three times. And he said, ah, let this cup pass me by. He said, no, but nevertheless, not as I will, but what you will. Some of you, maybe God may be calling you to ministry. You have to pray the prayer of consecration. 
Say, Lord, hmm, Lord, Lord, are you sure you are calling me? Don't say that. <laughs> there was a certain guy who said God had called him and he went to the Bible school and he was the last guy. He couldn't even pass. He repeated himself, he was the last. So the lecturer met him and said, ah, are you sure God called you? I said, I said, I was praying and I saw PC. So I interpreted it to be preach Christ. Then the lecturer told him that, ah, what about, what about if it is plow corn? <laughs> it's amazing. Plow corn. So you give yourself to him. And the Bible tells us in, 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 in Romans 6, it says that we present, we yield our members as instruments unto God. We present, uh, we present our bodies also as a living sacrifice. Uh, it's, it's a word for transfer of, the legal transfer of ownership. Now, this prayer of consecration is this. You have your money. Say, Lord, my money is yours. Lord, my money I legally transfer the ownership of my money to you. It is yours. Whatever you demand of it, I give it to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, some of you think your money is yours. You are not yet consecrated. There's some, something of you you have deprived God of. There are some rooms and chambers in your heart you have closed three doors from God and the rest are open. One is relationship with the second one is finances. Because not some people think that when you are bringing, why should I bring my money for the pastor to chop my money? That is worldly. There are some people who even now people ask me a lot of people who even believe that when you are going, to, when you are sending your tithe to the church and you see a poor person and the person is poor, you have to give you to the poor person. It's a lie. Now listen, listen. When you read the Bible, God has there's the, the hierarchy, the order of our offerings. God gives us the priority where our offerings should go. With the world, philanthropist place given to the poor as first. But in the scriptures, giving to the poor is not first. The first is given to God. The first number one is given to God. The poor is number three in the scriptures. It's not number, it's number three. First is God. The Bible said, give unto God the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and call upon his name. It's a 96 verse 8. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. He's telling us how to give God the glory that is befitting him. And it is seen in your offerings. So if you bring leftover, you are saying, Lord, this is the glory due your name. You take leftover, no. You prepare. As much as you have to give to God first than anybody on earth. God is first. That is in your offerings and titan. Every Sunday you prepare it well. Lord, this is the glory due your name. Some of you, you don't give according to volume, according to your value. Some of you, tens this may be a sacrifice. But some of you, to tens this may be, may, be, may be a radical. And the angels will be looking at you. So it depends on what God has given you. And how God knows you give him sacrifice, you honor him. Ten years ago, what I was giving 
was a sacrifice. But today, if I give the same thing, the angels will look at me. Is it serious at all? It is not a glory due his name. Bring an offering and call upon his name. The offering represents, that's the glory. My offering is the glory befitting you. So make sure, that is why we are not getting rich. Take substantial amount of God. Listen, you're not giving to the church, you're not giving to the pastor. You see, God's system of administration is this. He says, send it to the church. But it's God who takes it. Some people said, why should I give my tithe to the pastor? The pastor will eat it. Is that your business? He will stand before God. Leave him alone. Do your part. The Bible says, go and send it. And as you receive it, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, that here, men that die receive tithe, but they, he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. The Bible says when we give tithe, it is a witness of the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we give tithe, it's a proof that Jesus is alive. Here, men that die receive tithe, but there he receiveth them. The Levitical priest, they die, but there our heavenly Melchizedek, he receives them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. By the tithe, the tithe is a witness, a testimony that he's alive and he's still receiving it. So when you send it to the house of God, to the pastor, that's, that's his administration. You have given to him. But whether he misuses it, he stands before God. Leave him alone. It's between you. But you see, how close you are to God and how, oh, how much. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. Do, do, you want to know where your heart is? Some of you are saying your heart, you think your heart is after God. No. Jesus is saying that your heart is where you invest your money the most. Where you invest your money the most is where your heart is. You may deceive yourself and say, oh, my whole heart is after God. You may deceive yourself, but meanwhile, you give God penny. He said, no. The principle is this. You cannot love God and mammon. Where your treasure is, that is the location where your heart is. So, the where your greatest investment goes, that's where your heart will gravitate towards. Oh, la shukaye la ba yoko zustata. La tata triata. I'm telling you, some of you, you should stop. A professor, a time is coming, and it has come. You stop giving 20 Ghana. Your Sunday service offer will be 100 Ghana. After five months, it will be 200 Ghana. After one year, it will be 300 Ghana. In three years, you are giving 500 Ghana. In five years, you are giving thousands and two thousands. Offerings. It says the glory deal his name. Deal his name. That is befitting him. It's unto him. So is he that is rich. Is it Jesus speak of the one who holds things for himself, but is not rich towards God? He that laid up treasure and is not rich towards God. Beloved, where you invest your money the most, your heart will gravitate after those things. So this is that's consecration. He said, if your eye be single, your whole your whole body shall be full of light. He said, we have two eyes, but the focus is one. But if your eye has damaged and you have double phobia, you see things twice. That's lack of consecration. The singleness of the eye is an idiom for consecration. So Jesus is saying that if your heart, you can't say your heart is on God and you're, you are looking at another, your, your, your money, God, double phobia. Your money determines your consecration. I'm telling you, that's what Jesus said. Your treasure shows where your heart is. 
Because you're trying to all your investment, your life. You, your whole life is you, you work for money and you are taking this money to God. It breaks selfishness and it shows you that your all your being and all that you are comes here. Beloved, philanthropic. There are a lot, a lot of philanthropics in town. Their first priority is the poor. That kind of sympathy is an affront to the cross. Human sympathy is as deadly as wickedness. Human sympathy without a cross is an is an insult to God. Jesus said, "The poor you always have with you. The poor is not the first. Jesus is the first. Mary took the alabaster box and broke it and the disciples murmured that what, where is the poor? Don't think of the poor. It's Jesus. He deserves it. Because if you keep giving to the poor you, be, you start running out of resources and you cannot focus on the poor. If but you focus on God first then you have the increase to give to the poor. So the priority is God. Number one. Number two God's servant. You connect you, the way to connect to the anointing of the anointed is by sowing seed to the anointed. He does us an ear. Let me hear. That is it. That is it. Bishop Dad said he was going to give a seed to Kenahagin. And he heard of Kenahagin's tithe. And said, said, I'll never give this money to this man. He went to the US. He, $24 million. He was going to give a seat to Kenahagin, and he heard Kenahagin saying that his tithe was $24 million. He said, I mean, I'll not go there again. <laughs> so he didn't give, and God rebuked him. Take it. He doesn't need it, you need it. Paul said, What are you talking about? Not that Isaiah gave to him. Not that I desire a gift, but fruit that may abound onto your account. Because you have a heavenly account. You may have Echo Bank accounts, Barclays account on earth, but there is a heavenly account. The more as you give to God and to his servant and to his people, the more that account is abounded. Then you give to the poor. Even the poor, because this is those who are first in God's house before those who are outside. He gives those who are in the household of faith first. So when you are giving, someone rode, you are on the street, and beggars are on the road. And a church person is poor. Consult the church person first. Yeah. That the malam who is begging you. Yeah. Yeah. The malam who is <laughs> <laughs> oh, I almost forgot I'm talking about all kinds of prayer. Please sit down. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a prayer of consecration, hallelujah. Fully consecrated. Hola, shut up. You see, we want a time is coming that some of you come to church with your own helicopters. And there's a public in town. We don't need to tell the church, you yourself, you send a check. It will cater for the troubles in town. You are so resourceful. That is why God has given you this peace. Because what God wants you to do, your salary cannot. Man cannot. cannot man cannot. Man cannot. You are as a wonder to many. To live a wonder. Those who choose not to believe, let them go. But we believe it. Because it's in the Bible. And we'll see the result. Hallelujah. 
The second one is the prayer of faith. Mark 11, verse 23, 22 to 24. Mark 11, that's the prayer of faith. It's, it's also called authoritative prayers. You speak and you shoot off your word. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, and shall believe that those things which he speak in the word. And Jesus demonstrated it in read Mark. One day he was going, and uh, he went to the fig leaves, that fig tree. It had leaves, but there was no fruit. Jesus cursed it. Nothing happened. They went. The next day, when they were passing, Peter examined it. And that is Peter who do that. Peter examined it and saw. He said, how quickly is the root dried? You see, it's a principle. Jesus spoke about faith. He said, have the faith of God. Hallelujah. Have the faith of God. It's a speaking faith. What it means is that one day I come and teach on faith. Teach on the faith of God. Hallelujah. So Jesus spoke and nothing happened to the tree. The leaves were standing. But you see, it is the spirit that quickened. The word I speak, the flesh profited nothing. The word that I speak, the spirit and light. Nothing happened. But something happened. The effect had begun at the root. <laughs> Over time, they saw the roots drying. Sometimes you speak to your disease and nothing happens. After speaking, it even seemed to become worse. You were wondering what is happening. Something has ha- started happening, but it's at the root base. Peter said, Peter, the next day it was there, but Peter went to the root and said the, the root was, was drying up. So, wow. So it's like your disease is standing, but something has begun at the root. So, keep, keep speaking the word and confess in the word. The next verse. Let's see verse. Yes. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. This is a prayer of faith. So I'm, I want to summarize it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you pray, Father, I need a shoe. Please give me a shoe. He said, the moment you pray, what things soever ye desire, what you desire, whether it is spiritual, physical, or material. You cannot pray the prayer of faith for someone else. Are you listening to me? You cannot pray the prayer of faith for someone else because you don't know what the person's desires. What the person's desires. What things that you desire. So to pray for someone, you must know what the person desires before you come. So normally after after preaching, people come say, "Man, I go pray for me." So I normally ask them, "What do you want him to pray for?" Because I cannot put my desires on your desires. It doesn't work. It's what things that you desire. So I cannot pray the prayer of faith for you until I know what you desire. So man, I go pray for me. It will not work until you tell me your desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but the principle is that when you pray, Jesus said, believe I received it. So it's like, Father, I need a shoe. You go to Jesus on Monday, Father, the Father on Monday. You go to the Father on Monday. By the way, you don't pray to Jesus. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. 
You don't ask him things. You ask the father. The father himself loves you. You ask the father in his name. If you ask the father in his name, it's as if he is doing it. <laughs> so, when you pray, Lord, I need a shoe on Monday. Tuesday, when you go, what do you do? The Bible says, when you pray, the father, I need a shoe. Give me a shoe. Believe, Believe that you have received it. On Tuesday, when you go and say, Father, give me a shoe. What does it mean? You didn't even receive it. This is the prayer of faith. I said, how many? It has its rules. Different kinds of prayers. So the second day, when you go, what do you do? You start thanking God that He gave it to you yesterday. <laughs> hey, I've used this prayer that has, I've had answers. In troublous times, I use prayer. Especially those days when I didn't have money. The way this verse worked for me. <laughs> it works so. Huh? It works. One day I was going to preach in Western Region. I didn't have money to go to Tadi. I was living in Sakumono. I, I only had money from Sakumono to um, Carnation Market. So I applied this kind of prayer. So you pray and you, come, you speak it. The two works are the same. You pray and you confess it. Confess it. You, when you pray, you see it. You, you thanksgiving and confession. Hallelujah. But you don't confess, confess in frustration and out of stress. That one to know it. Just be, take it easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I got there. I said, Father, thank you that you've taken me to Takradi. Because I asked you to do so and I've done it. I understand this. And he used to say that there's the way always when you pray, there is faith in your heart and doubt in your mind. Always. So when I finished praying, when I go to Kanesh Market, you know what I did? I said, since God is taking me, then, and God is rich, let me go to the car with the highest faith. So I looked for the, um, Ford, and there are two kinds of Ford. That one is air condition, one is not with air condition. So I look for the air condition one. The highest faith. Since God is taking me. So I, I, went, I went to stand in front. And the, the guy, the maid said, one person more, one, one more. I said, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thought they would say five more so that I'll take time. So that God would take time to do something. But, you know what my thinking, why should you say one more? So I was just standing there and a lot of doubts was bashing my head. But I know the principle of faith. You don't speak it. When that, that's what thoughts are coming to your head, don't speak it. In the face of apparent defeat, confess positively. Say, Father, I thank you that I'm going. Meanwhile, everything says it's not possible. <laughs> Only me. I knew what was happening in my head. So I was the most foolish person that day. A lot of thought. Father, I thank you. Oh, glory to God. So for the first five minutes, I forgot where I was standing. I just when I, a guy just passed before me, say, "Man of God, <laughs> I've not seen him for eight years." The first thing he said, "I don't see him for eight years." But the first thing he says, "Man of God, where are you going?" I said, "I'm going to Tadi." Oh, please, I beg you, allow me to pay your fare for you. Yeah. Then I said, "You know what I said?" Oh, man of God, don't worry. You know? <laughs> Oh, 
Someone got you. It doesn't matter. I couldn't say too much. All the while, all the while, I was saying, "Prevail, come stronger." Hallelujah. So it works. It works. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God, thank God for situations. Thank God, hallelujah. We'll go more into it. Pastor will teach you. Praise God. What's the next? Prayer of agreement. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18, verse 18 to 20, there's a prayer of agreement. It's so powerful. God is so wise. It is a remedy for weak faith. Very, very assured to you. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall lose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Again, I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, that if two shall agree on earth as touch anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. That's all. You know how to pray the prayer of agreement? Maybe you want some, something to be done, but sometimes you realize that it happens to all of us. It's leaving it in some way. As I said, you need the help. So you call for a brother your wife or someone you can agree with, call for him and share with the person what you want to pray on, what you are believing God for. Then the two of you come together. Normally I love to hold hands. Then one will pray. You will pray. The other doesn't pray. Both of you praying is corporate prayer. With the prayer of agreement, both of you don't pray. Only one prays. So whilst one is praying, the other one is believing every word. Yes, Lord. Believing every word. And God sees you as one faith. Believing every word. You can start by quoting the scripture. Lord, you said if two shall agree. And now we agree on your word. And I'm telling you, it happens. Anytime I'm, I, I feel something like that, I call my wife and I tell her. And we sit down and I hold hands. And I tell her to agree with me. I'm telling you. There's not one that has not been answered. As far as I know, it's true. And so when the Spirit was praying, was preaching, and he quoted this word. After everything, a certain woman came to me and said, My husband is not saved, my this is not saved. I, I, I want you to agree with me and we'll pray and they will be saved. So that tomorrow they'll come to the service. They've never, they've never followed me to service before, my husband, but I, I believe that if you agree with me in prayer, they will come for service. The person just told me, Google Spirit. And they did so. He sat down, held hands, and prayed. And the next evening, he was preaching, and he lifted up his head. The husband and the children they were all sitting now, and the altar called. The husband came forward to receive Jesus. And a lot of excitement. It works. Hallelujah. It works. A prayer of agreement. It works. How do you call it? Authority is multiplied with unity. One will chase a thousand, two will chase ten thousand, even under the law. There is the corporate prayer. Like we all lift up our voices and pray. It's called corporate prayer. And it's powerful. We find that in Acts 4.24. Acts 16.25. Acts 4.24. Acts 16.25. Acts 4.24. It's very powerful. When Peter stood before the Sanhedrin, the disciples together they lifted up their voices. The Bible said they lifted up their voices. So people believe that prayer must be in silence. Of course, there's a prayer, there's prayer in silence, but the Bible tells us that 
And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice with one accord. Hallelujah. Not all of us praying. And at the end of the, the verse, the place was shaking. That's corporate prayer. And there's a prayer of worship. Acts 13, 1 to 4. The Bible speaks of there were prophets and teachers in those days in the church that were in Antioch. I mentioned names like Barnabas, who was a Levite, Manaim, who was with first brother to Herod the Tetrarch, like Simeon, called Niger, who was, Niger is the word Negro, he was an African, Lucius, who was from Libya. These guys met together and they began to pray. They, they fasted and they ministered unto the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a kind of prayer. You don't do any request. It's not, Lord, give me, Lord, give me. No, it's about Jesus. You just pour your heart, worship, ministering to him, talking about his loveliness. Remember, you are the bride and he's the groom. There's a kind of fast called a bridegroom fast. It's in Matthew 9, 15. They ask Jesus, why do the disciples of, the, of John and Francis fast, but your disciples don't fast? You know what Jesus said? Can the children of the bride chamber or can the groomsmen fast as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day shall come when, that is it, when the bridegroom shall be taken, then shall they fast. This fast is not fasting for something to happen. We call it, we call it love sickness. They are fasting because you've missed a person and they just want to be with a person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Comfort me with apples and steal me with flagons because I'm sick of love. Have you been sick of love before? Have you been sick of love before? I pray that you thought you, you'd be sick in love one of these days. <laughs> so I love you so much, I can't even breathe. I can really lie. If you can't breathe, will you be alive? <laughs> There's a prayer of thanksgiving. This prayer is mentioned above, almost above every prayer in the New Testament. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. If we were to, E.W. Kenyon said that if we, if we were to properly pray well, 90% of our prayers would be Thanksgiving. Just thank God. Thank God for everything. Atomize it one by one. In, in Leviticus, in the, in the peace offering, within the peace offering, it's called something called a thank offering, the fellowship offering. And when they offer the beast unto the Lord, the priest must eat it that same day and eat the remainder the next day. But after three days, it is defiled. What it means is that when God does something for you, thank him today, and tomorrow eat the remainder. Thank him also again the next day. Don't wait to thank him after three days when God has done something for you. I was reading that verse. Uh, I didn't even know it was at Thanksgiving. Then I had a vision within it. God opened my eyes within a scriptures. I saw a vision concerning myself. God told me, I'm slow to thank him. I said, am I slow? <laughs> God does something for me. And sometimes I will, oh sure, I'll thank God. And I wait, maybe three days, ten days, but I realize it's not good. Thank Him the same day. Why is that when we are traveling, we pray, but when we get to our destination, we don't thank Him? <laughs> Have you realized that we don't thank Him? Yeah, but you know, the word thanksgiving is the word Eucharistio. You know what? Eucharistio. That's how we get the word. Grace. What is grace? Grace. Thanksgiving provoke the grace of God. Hmm. The word Eucharist is where we get the word kara. 
Hara is a Greek word for joy. Thanksgiving stirs up joy. Hallelujah. There's so much blessings in Thanksgiving. Ekaristio. E-U is from two words. E-U. Oh, E-U. Encaris. E-U is a word for good or well. Encaris is grace or favor. So it's good favor and good grace. Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Where are we? Which prayer have we spoken of? Supplication. There are two kinds of supplications. Two kinds of supplication. Sometimes the word, the word the Bible uses the word enthusis. Sometimes it uses the word desis. Desis is supplication, but it is petition. Hallelujah. Enthusis. Enthusis is the word. There is a difference between supplication and intercession. When we pray for the believers, literally it is supplication. But when we pray for unbelievers, it is intercession. Though sometimes we use supplication from two words supply application. That's where it comes from supply application. When I start praying for you, Moro, I'm supplying the spirit to apply to you. That's why Paul said in um, Philippians 1.19, I know that this shall tend to my prayer. My, this shall tend to my salvation or my deliverance through your prayer. He was in prison. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus. Supplication is supplying the Spirit of Jesus. Supply and apply. The word supply here is the word epicorigio. Epicorigio is where we get the word choreography. <laughs> What is choreography? Choreography deals with series of movements and sequence. Is that not so? Uh-huh. So as when I'm praying for you, that's, I pray for you. What the prayer does is that I supply you the movements and the actions. You receive impartation to know what to do, where to go. And that's how it is. <laughs> and the word epicorigio in the Greek is, a, is, a, is literally supplying all the needs of the chorus by the coral goose. I think, haven't I taught it here before? Yeah. Supplying all the needs of the chorus by the coral goose. The coral goose was, a, 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 in the Greek, it was performing artist, singers, drama, they were all together. What happens was that the sponsor of the whole art team, the team, was called the coral goose. When you join, the moment you join, that's all. You don't have to provide your own food. They give you your own food, your own Dress your own instruments, transportation, they give you everything. The Kuragus is the sponsor, he gives everything. Every need you have, he sponsors it. And that's the way supply here. For what when we supplicate, we supply all the needs of the believers. Especially when you pray in tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The last one. Please come and stand by my side. So that I'll make sure I go. The last one is called intercession. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Intercession. Say intercession. intercession. Romans 8 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we don't know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us. The highest level of intercession is by the Spirit in us. It is a Greek word. Greek word the Greek word is. Hupa and Tukchano. Hupa and Tukchano. That's a Greek word for intercession. 
You know what it means? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Now, the word means someone who is in a fix and he doesn't know what to do. He has a problem. He's just in the fix. Then someone just comes his way, sees his need, and puts put in a, a kind of program to rescue him. So the word Huber into channel is a word for rescue operation. Or someone who is the kind of a carving, he's deeply in it, and you reach out to bring out the person. That's what the intercession does. We intercede. Beloved, we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Don't think that this nation will get better without us. We have to pray for people. Pray for everyone. Pray, 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 pray. I would therefore that first of all, he said first of all, not second. First of all, prayers. Supplications. Prayers. Intercessions. And giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for those who are in authority. Now we lead a what a peaceable and a quiet life and all honesty and godliness. But that is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So let's pray. And pray for your, those who are not saved so that they will be saved. Of course, God will send laborers. Pray for your family and pray that God will send laborers to them wherever they are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Beloved, don't have one lance, have different lance. And you can throw. I believe the long lance is supplication yeah, yeah. <laughs> and intercession. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beloved, these are the weapons of our warfare. Wow. The pieces of armor. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.